Hi, morning, everybody. Um, like Chris said, my name is Emily, and I'm so excited to be able to be with you all this morning. Um, so I've noticed lately that it seems like people have been disagreeing about everything. There is no shortage of opinions right now. Um, and it seems like no matter what topic you bring up, somebody is going to jump on it and disagree with you. And so I was thinking today, wouldn't it be cool if all of us could just agree on one thing, on something? And I know that you're all good people, you're all intelligent people, so I think we can do this. So here is my attempt at a list of things that we all can agree on. All right, so number one, can we all just agree that babies in glasses are the cutest? I mean, if you can look at that and not smile, then you are not a real human being. All right. Um, Number two, can we all just agree that Mondays should be optional? I mean, what more is there to say? Mondays are the worst, right? Um, Number three, Nutella should be a superfood. I mean, that stuff is amazing. I don't know who invented this product, but when I find them, social distancing or not, I'm going after them and I'm giving them a big bear hug because I love that stuff. All right. Number four, in the movie Titanic, Rose absolutely had room on that floating door for Jack. I mean, just scoot over a couple inches. You can make that work. And finally, can we all just agree that Betty White is going to outlive us all? I just hope that one day my grandchildren can be entertained by her as much as I have been. So that felt pretty good, right, for all of us to kind of agree on some things. Now, obviously, those are just some silly examples, okay? But there is something special about a group of people coming together united on the same thing. And I'll tell you, if you lead people in any way, which all of us do, right? I mean, whether you're a parent leading your kids or you're a a CEO of a big company or you're a coach or whoever you are, um, then you know that it's a great feeling to know that the people on your team, that your kids, whoever it is, that they're, they're working together going toward this common purpose. And so today we're going to look at one such leader in the Bible by the name of David. So David uh, was a king. He was a king of this entire nation of Israel. So big job, a lot of weight on his shoulders. And so he would often kind of express himself through a song and through poetic song. And so he would write his feelings into these songs. And many of these ended up in a book we have in the Bible uh, called the Book of Psalms. So we're going to look at one such psalm, Psalm 133. And it's really short, so we're just going to go ahead and read the whole thing today. And it says this, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Now for some of of you reading this, maybe you're thinking like, what is he talking about? Oil poured over the head. Maybe you're picturing somebody with motor oil poured all over them, and they're all greasy and gross. So if you're like me, uh, maybe you need a little bit of background. So in the time and the culture in which David lived, uh, people mostly walked everywhere, and or maybe they rode a donkey. And so it was really dirty and dusty, and they would get hot and and smelly and kind of gross. And so when they often came into a home, they would sort of smell and be sweaty. And so it was traditional for um, a host, when someone walked into their home, to take some fragrant oil and just pour a little bit on their head. 
and it was sweet smelling and um, it was cool and it just sort of made them feel refreshed. It reminds me of uh, when I had just gotten out of high school and I got on this running kick for some reason. So every day I would go outside and I would run and then the next day I'd run a little bit more and a little bit more and it got to the point where I was running for like an hour every day out in the 90 degree summer heat. And so I'd get to the end of one of these hour-long runs, and I'd come in in my house just gross and sweaty and hot. And the first thing I would do is I'd grab a nice cold cup of water, gulp it down, fill my cup up again, and just pour it over my head. And it was just like, ah, felt so good, so refreshing. And I think that's what David is saying here, is that when people are unified together, it's such a refreshing, uplifting, unified feeling. See, when David became the king of Israel, um, his kingdom had long been divided. There was Judah and there was Israel. And they had been fighting and, and there was this tension and they were at odds with each other. And so when he came to the throne and they were united once again, the joy that he experienced seeing this splintered nation come together and be united was so refreshing to him. It was like a cup of cold water. You know, these past few months in our nation have kind of been a roller coaster. I mean, when the coronavirus hit, it was like everybody was working together, right? Like neighbors were helping neighbors and churches were coming together and serving people and businesses started turning over their manufacturing and they were making masks and they were making ventilators and it was like we were all joined together trying to fight for fight against this virus. But then it seemed like just a couple of weeks later, we fell right back into that same divided state, fighting over anything and everything. And, you know, sometimes I think, I wonder if God looks down on us, his children, and thinks, will they ever get along? Because there are few things that bring more joy to his heart than seeing his people united. And there are few things that break his heart more than seeing his church divided. And it, it brings me back to that. There's a passage in John about his son Jesus. And this was on the night that he was going to die, knowing he was about to be murdered and tortured, knowing that was coming. As he prayed, do you know what he was praying for? Do you know what was on his mind as he was about to go to the cross? Unity. He was praying for us. He was praying that we would be in unity. Listen to his prayer. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. His heart broke and it still breaks for us to be in unity. And if his heart breaks for unity, I want mine to break for it too. So what do we do? I mean, it seems like an impossible thing to go into this world that's full of division and conflict and try to be, bring unity. But where do we even start? Well, that's our big idea for today, and it's this. Unity starts with you. Unity starts with you, and unity starts with me. You know, we may not be able to solve all the world's problems, but we can do our part. We can be the change agents to bring unity into our family, into our church, into our community. In the Bible, in Romans 12:18, it says this. 
If possible, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with everyone. And I think the best way to do that, the best way to be in unity with people, to be at peace, is to look for those things that you have in common. And, you know, even in this room, there's so many differences. But there's also so much that we have in common. And if we can seek out those commonalities and we can build off of those, I really believe that unity is within reach. Let me give you just an example of trying to find those commonalities. So um, a few months ago, my parents and my family went together on vacation. And uh, my parents are wonderful people, and they were kind enough to invite us along on this trip with them. But as all this reopening stuff started happening... Um, we had different views about how to proceed safely on this trip. And so as I was kind of putting together um, a plan for the trip, I was really stressing out, like, do we go here? Do we not go here? Do we do this? Do we not do this? And what if my parents disagree? And what if we end up fighting the whole time? And so I was really worried and really stressed out about it. So finally I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to pray about it. I'm going to talk to God, try to work this out. So I, uh, I went into that prayer thinking, all right, like God's going to give me this perfectly laid out plan of what we should do and what we shouldn't do. And if I'm honest, I really just wanted him to tell me that I was right and they were wrong. Um, but he didn't. And as I prayed and listened and, and tried to figure out what he wanted for me, the impression that I, that I felt in my heart was this. What I want for you is to be in unity with your family. Don't damage the relationship over something that is temporary. And, you know, the more I thought about that, I was like, you know, a year from now, maybe everybody will have forgotten about the coronavirus. Maybe we'll all just be running around like normal. But you know what will still be there? My family. And I want to have a good relationship with them. And so after that prayer, I decided, you know what, we're going to go into this trip just focusing on what we have in common. You know, we want to have fun. We, we love our family. I love my kids. They love their grandkids. We're going to focus on that. And so we did, and we, we made some compromises, and we didn't do everything together. But in the end, we had an amazing trip, and we stayed unified, and it was really a wonderful time. And so I want to encourage you to seek unity in your families. Whatever your family looks like and whatever unity looks like for you. Maybe for you, your spouse and you have been fighting over everything and you can't seem to agree on anything. Find something that you can agree on. Maybe you can agree that we, we want the best for our kids. Or we agree that we want to have a healthy marriage. Or we can agree we want to get out of debt. Find that thing that you can agree on and start there. You might have to put your ego aside a little bit. You might have to make some decisions that are selfless. But it's worth it to have that unity in your family. And there is nothing that God wants more for your family than for you to be as one. And, you know, maybe you'll find that once you start working as as a team and agreeing on things, that all of a sudden your parenting starts getting better and your marriage is growing and your finances are improving, all because you started at that place of unity. So seek unity in your family and seek unity in your church. You know, one of the things that I love so much about this place is that there are all kinds of different people here from all different walks of life. And somehow they come together and they just make it work and they get along. I mean, we have people here who make six figures and we have people who live in shelters. We have babies and we have baby boomers. We have Democrats, Republicans, Independents. We have brown people, white people, black people, all kinds of different people who just come together and somehow it works. 
And I was trying to think about what is it that we have in common? What is it that brings us all together? And I think what it is is that none of us are perfect. We all have struggles. We all have weaknesses. We all fall short. And yet we know we can come into this place and be loved and be accepted as is. And that brings us together and brings us unity. And I've seen this in small groups, too. I'm the small groups director at the JAR, so a lot of times I'll go and visit different small groups. And a lot of times I'll be sitting in a group, and you'll see somebody who you're like, oh, they got it all together. They don't struggle with anything, you know. And then they start kind of opening up and sharing about something that's going on in their life. And you're like, wow, I never, I never would have thought that. And then somebody else in the group is like, you know what, I, I'm struggling with that same thing. And then somebody else in the group is like, yeah, I was dealing with that a couple years ago. And all of a sudden they realize, wow, look how much we have in common. Look at the struggles that we share. And as they become more authentic, that unity in the group grows and they see what they have in common. And that unity that I see among all of you, it takes me back to that psalm, that Psalm 133. See, this psalm became, after it was written, it became for the Jewish people what they call a song of ascent. So um, different times, over different periods of time, the people of Israel, what they would do is they would all travel and they would ascend to Jerusalem, which was their central place of worship. So there would be people from all different regions and different backgrounds that would all kind of be traveling together. And as they traveled to come be in unity, they would sing these songs, these songs of ascent. And so you'd see all these different people walking and traveling together singing how beautiful it is when God's people come together in unity. And they're just singing this. And it's such a beautiful picture. And when I look at all of you, when you're worshiping, when Caleb's up here and he's playing with a band, and all you different, different people are all together worshiping God and you're in unity, that's the picture I see. That beautiful picture of all of you together worshiping him. And so I want, you to, I want to challenge you to find a way to find that unity. Find someone Maybe it's somebody in your small group or someone else that you know that's different than you. Maybe you disagree with something on them. Maybe they look different than you or, or they have a different political affiliation or different income level. And walk across the room and say, hey, can we sit down and have a meal and I want to listen to your story. And as you do, maybe you'll find that you have a lot more in common than you thought. Or maybe your perspective will change on people like that that maybe you had stereotypes about. There's a a quote by Mary Lou Kownacki. It's one of my favorite quotes. It says, There isn't anyone you couldn't love once you've heard their story. And I wholeheartedly believe that that is true. So seek out unity in any way that you can. But I do want to caution you not to settle for anything less than real, true, authentic unity. Because it's so easy to get along and to be nice and pretend that we're unified, and settle for something that is false. Now, I'll be really transparent with you. I do not like conflict. <laughs> I avoid it like the plague. And when I first got married to my husband, Mikey, I, anytime conflict came, I just avoided it. So I was the kind of wife who, like, I'd be kind of putting around, pouting, you know, and Mikey would be like, honey, what's wrong? Did I do something? What's going on? And I'd be like, nope, I'm fine. I'm fine. Nothing's wrong. And then I'd slam the cabinet door and kick the trash can and go in my room and start angrily folding laundry. And he's like, I know something's going on. I know that you are not fine. But I'm like, no, no, I'm fine. And I just bury it down. 
And then eventually this resentment would build, and then one day it would just kind of come out in this angry rage, and it wasn't healthy. And so um, a few years ago, uh, Mikey came to me and said, hey, honey, can we do this marriage check-in thing that I found? And I was like, okay. And so every week we would start doing this check-in, and we would ask each other these questions. And they were tough questions. I mean, questions about money and intimacy and things like that. And one of the questions on the check-in was, is there any sin, conflict, or hurt between us that needs to be resolved? And so every week we would ask these questions. And it seemed like every week I had something. And Mikey only, like, maybe once a month had something. But he's a lot more laid back than I am. But every time that he would ask this question directly, I would always sort of hesitate and think, oh, it'd be easier just to stay in this place of false unity, you know, but then eventually I would kind of open up and say, you know what, this thing that you said, it really hurt my feelings, or I feel like you kind of missed this, or whatever it was, and I would open up about that, and instead of burying that thing down and letting it turn into resentment, we just talked about it, and we dealt with it and moved on from it, and ever since we started doing that, our relationship, our marriage has been so much more um, united, And now we can go out and go on dates and have fun together and know there's nothing fake at all between us. Um, Know that everything has been worked through and we can just enjoy each other and have fun. But it is hard. It's hard to keep asking those questions of each other. It's hard to be honest and tell them what I'm really feeling and not just try to blow it off and pretend that everything's fine. But it's so worth it to have that kind of unity in our family. And, you know, it's easy to have that kind of false unity in the church, too. I mean, somebody, maybe they they wrong us or they hurt our feelings. And instead of going to them directly, we go to a friend and we gossip about it. Or we go on Facebook or Instagram and make a post about, you know, what this person has done or whatever. And I'm guilty of it, too. I mean, there are times when, you know, somebody hurts my feelings. Instead of just going to them directly, I just stuff it down because it's easier just to, you know, be nice and to get along. But when we do that, when we play nice and it's fake unity, we slowly destroy the unity of our church. And so I want to encourage you today, if someone wrongs you, if someone hurts you, go to that person directly. Work things out. Find those commonalities and do what you can to fight for the unity of our church. Now, before we move on, I want to make one thing clear. And that is that unity is not always possible. When someone is mistreating or abusing people and we just stand to the side and let it happen for the sake of being nice and getting along, that is a false unity. Now, I refuse to be unified with someone that would use their religion as an excuse for child abuse, for manipulation, for prejudice, for anything like that. And there are times when we have to stand up for injustice, even if it makes some waves. I mean, even Jesus wasn't unified with everyone. There were religious leaders in his time who were robbing people and deceiving people, and he wouldn't stand for it. He spoke out harshly against them, and he wasn't unified with them. But I would say this. If someone, even if they claim that they're a Christian, if they refuse to love their neighbor, don't be unified with them. You can pray for them, love them, show them all the kindness in the world, but don't be unified then. But when it's possible to be unified with someone, and most of the time it is, do everything that you can to try to achieve unity because it brings so much joy to the heart of the Father. 
And that's not the only reason that unity is absolutely worth fighting for. Because when the church is unified under the leadership of Jesus, anything is possible. So I saw this picture the other day that I thought was really cool. And it's this picture of these Amish men. um, And there's this barn that they had built. And it's dozens of these Amish men. And they all come alongside the barn at the base of the barn. And all together in unity, they reach down and they pick up that barn together. And then in unity, they all move in the same direction. And they move a barn from one place to another. Something I would have thought was completely impossible. And the caption of that picture said, There is strength in numbers. And you know, when I saw this picture, I thought, what would happen if churches all over the world united together under the same mission of showing God's love to a broken world? What would happen if church members, instead of fighting over the color of the carpet or the style of music, instead they came together and fought against real problems like like hunger and poverty and racism? What if we could all come together and fight against those things together? Imagine how people's perception of Jesus would change. Imagine of how their perception of Christians would change if they saw us all coming together, loving each other, and working together. You know, Jesus, he told his friends in the book of John 13:35, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. He said the defining mark of one of my followers should be the love that you have for each other. The way that you love your family, your community, the way that you love the people in your church, it should amaze people. It should be a refreshing difference from the hate and the division that we see in this world. It should give them hope. Now, I know that may seem like an impossible dream, but remember, unity starts with you. And unity starts with me. We may not be able to solve all the problems in the world, but we can do our part. We can choose to be in unity with our family. We can choose to love people together, the people that are around us. We can choose to put aside our differences and unite with our church with that same mission of loving our community into a relationship with Jesus. We can be united with Christians all over the world who many of them are losing their jobs and their families, some of them even their lives for their faith. We can be united with them and pray for them and join together on their mission of loving our world. We can fight for unity. Because we don't have time to fight with each other. There is a broken world out there that needs God's love. Let's pray. Loving God, I pray that you would give each one of us a heart that breaks for unity, just like yours does. Use us to bring unity into our families, to bring unity into our church, and to bring unity into our world. God, reveal to us those relationships where maybe we're pretending to be unified, but there's resentment in our hearts. And help us to have the courage to go and pursue authentic unity with that person. Give us the courage to walk across the room and reach out to someone that's different from us and to listen to their story. Now, maybe for some of you today, you're thinking, you know what, the person that I don't have unity with is God. Maybe you have some resentment against some pain and hurt in your past that you blame him for. Or maybe, you know, you've been going through the motions, you go to church and you do all the church things, but if you're honest, 
you're really not unified with him in your heart. And if that's you, I have some good news for you today. And that is that Jesus wants to be unified with you more than anything in the world. So much so that he went to a cross and he gave his life to destroy anything that could come between you and him. And he is ready and waiting with open arms to receive you, to receive you in and to love you and to be unified with you. And so today, if you want to be unified with Jesus, then I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And it's my prayer, but it can be your prayer too, if you mean it in your heart. And uh, here's the jar. We never do anything alone. We always do it together. We never pray alone. And so let's be united today. And I would just ask that all of you would pray this prayer after me and just sort of repeat it after me. Jesus, I give my life to you. Forgive me. Make me brand new. I believe you died and rose again so that I could live with you. Fill me with your spirit so that I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer with me today, I just want you to know that all of heaven is rejoicing with you, and all of us here are rejoicing with you as well. And um, we, we want to know about it. If you're online, you can tap that raise hand button, and someone is there online, and they're ready to pray with you today. Um, if you're here in person, there's a member of our prayer team back in the back corner there at the prayer area, and they'd love to um, pray with you if you want prayer or give you a gift today just to sort of remember this day. And um, if there's anything at all, that you'd like prayer for, feel free to head back there. Uh, Don't forget that Saturday night, this coming Saturday, is marriage night. So uh, you can sign up for that just by checking that blue box on your Connect card. Or if you're online, you can um, fill out or follow that link that your chat room hosts give you. And uh, just remember those Connect cards. You can drop them in the offering boxes as you leave today by the doors. And if you did sign up for marriage night, you can stop by Guest Connection and go ahead and pick up your marriage kit today. Well, in just a minute, our ushers are going to go ahead and come forward, and they're going to release you by rows. Um, Remember this week, unity starts with you. So fight for unity and have a great Sunday and know that you're loved in this place.